Do you guys think we should get a dragon tortoise? Um, <laughs> totally <laughs> got Jerry off guard. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but what, 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 what would it do? I mean, it's clearly different than a dragon turtle. Clearly. I, yeah. <laughs> I have a better question. Should we get a dragon turtle as a player race? <laughs> Ooh, I like that even better. Like a dragonborn, but for a turtle. It's got a little bit better AC and it has a steam breath weapon. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, that. I like that. I like that. I don't think a dragon tortoise. Uh, I don't need that. Incidentally, have you guys seen the video of that dude that picks up the tortoise thinking he's returning a turtle to the water and he throws the tortoise into a river? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, is a, that is a dead tortoise. That'll mm. teach you. Fuck. <laughs> Hold on. Were the ninja turtles ninja tortoises then? I've I it does show at some point when they're younger, right? Like in the opening credits, it shows the small turtles. Now I forget if they were tortoises or turtles. No, they have feet in that. They don't have flippers. That's a good point. My whole childhood has been a lie. Yeah. I don't know enough about the differences of the two. <laughs> one's on land, one's in the water. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> flippers versus feet. And then I mean and they're they're in a that. sewer, aren't they? What? Does that count as being in water? On the Ninja Turtle? Yeah, they are, but I mean, they're yeah. not turtles. They're not supposed to be there, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not many tortoises in a sewer either. Nah, I don't think that holds up. Anyways, that, that answers my question. Now we need dragon turtles. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another discussion about dragons in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I am Terry and with me today are Adam and Pepperina. And this episode is called Bizban's Dragon Turtles Steamy Times on the High Seas. We've previously covered all the chromatic and metallic dragons that you can see in the 5th edition Monster Manual on Fizzman's Treasury of Dragons, as well as all sorts of dragon related creatures and templates. We've done episodes on lore, role playing and some of the new updates from Fizzbands. You can find all these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on dragons that we've built over there. This episode of the It's Mimic podcast is going to return to one of the creatures we did a deep dive on in episode 128, the Dragon Turtle. We return again to the pages of Fizzban's Treasury of Dragons to see what the probably stoned wizard has to say about these gargantuan dragons that live in the oceans. But before we get into it, let's look at what we already know about Dragon Turtles before this book came out. So I'll take you guys through that. To remind everyone at home, we know that Dragon Turtles are among the most fearsome creatures of the oceans, that they are large and voracious as the oldest of its land-based dragons are. A Dragon Turtle strikes with deadly jaws as well as steaming breath and as well as a crushing tail. And a Dragon Turtle's rough shell is the same dark green color as the deep water where this, uh, this monster dwells. It also has silver highlights that are lining the shell that resemble the light dancing on the open water. So a surfacing dragon is very hard to perceive until it's very close to you. They mostly live in caves, either beneath the sea floor or along coastal lines or around coral reefs. And they will attack residents of those caves to remove them so that they can instead take over that cave. They're essentially mercenary monsters. So a dragon turtle is smart enough that it can be bribed and that pirates sailing the seas patrolled by these creatures will quickly learn that if, if they can offer the dragon turtle something that it wants, uh, they can exchange that for safe passage. They also have elemental might in that dragon turtles sometimes find their way through sunken planar rifts to the, the elemental plane of water. I, For me personally, that would be 
you know, those uh, those portals and those planar rifts are deep in the oceans where most humanoids uh, can't find them. Pepperina, why don't you take hey. us through the uh, stat block for the dragon turtles from the monster manual? Right. So a dragon turtle, and this is the adult dragon turtle that they gave us a stat block for, I believe. Yeah. Yes, this is the dragon turtles are unique because their adult is uh mm -hmm. is gargantuan as well so yeah right. this was the only thing that we got uh, except for one unique bit yeah. so so yes yeah. yeah. so they're a gargantuan dragon they're neutral their ac is 20 they've got a bunch of hit points about 341 as the average uh, their walking speed is 20 feet swim speed 40 feet they their highest stat is strength followed by con their lowest are dex and intelligence um, they do get saving throws in dex con and wisdom their damage resistance is fire they do have dark vision their languages are aquan and draconic they do not speak common uh, their cr is 17. i'm sorry do you say draconic I love draconic it. draconic they're amphibious, so they breathe both air and water. They get a multi-attack. Um, they have bite, claw, tail attacks, and a steam breath weapon. And that's more or less uh, your average dragon turtle stat block. The steam breath weapon is um, formidable, though. Like, it, mm -hmm. what kind of damage does it do? It's heat, right? Like, it's fire? Fire, damage? yeah. Okay. So we do get another... Um, another kind of dragon turtle although it only kind of half counts it's very much based on the uh the original stat block from the monster manual and it's listed in uh tales from the yawning portal and it was really the only other option we had for the longest time and it was it's called the reduced threat um dragon turtle now tales from the yawning portal just as a quick breakdown for everybody out there there were uh a number of monsters that they wanted to showcase, but all the adventures are fairly low level. So what happened was um, the uh, book came up with this new method for giving reduced threat versions of the regular monsters. Sometimes it was really good. Sometimes it was not so really good. So going through them really, really quickly, here's uh, the general rules for reduced threat monsters, and we can apply this um, to the monster manual. Peps, do you still have the stat block in front of you? All right, so here's what we do first. We take uh, half of its normal hit point maximum. So what does it normally have? 341. All right, so that gives us a, yeah, 170 or so hit points. Uh, negative two penalty on all attack rolls. What's its main attack roll? It's probably bite, I assume. Um, it gets one bite and two claws, and it can make a tail attack instead of the two claws. So what, what does it roll to hit? Thir uh, it gets a plus 13 so on all a, three of those. A plus 11, so still super, super accurate. And then uh, with ability checks, it also gets a negative two, as well as saving throws and uh, saving throw DCs, uh, which means what's its steam breath weapon? Uh, it should have a DC of... 18 constitution. All right, so it would be 16. So that's generally the rule. Also, uh, a reduced threat creature that is based on a creature bigger than large, which is what this is, is now instead large. So this is how they come up with the idea of kind of a juvenile dragon turtle. It does say in uh, Tales from the Yawning Portal that you can also make changes to the abilities that they can use, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't go too much deeper into that because it's kind of been balanced specifically 
for this. I don't think it's perfect, and I'm glad they gave us an update um, for different ages of turtles, of uh, dragon turtles. So, um, so yeah, that's what the reduced threat gave us. It was useful for a while. I feel like it can be mostly ignored at this point. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. But let's do our first initiative roll, uh, and then we can answer the question, do we like dragon turtles in their place within the dragon landscape of D&D? I got one. I got a seven. I got a 17. Well, Peps, you're up. Um, I do like dragon turtles. The more I like looked into them and read about them, because I didn't know a bunch. They're not widely used, I feel like, or utilized. I like that they're a neutral version of a dragon. I do wish they were a little more dragon looking. They just look like a giant turtle. Pretty much. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I wish that it had more of a, maybe it's just because I like painting wings so much, and you know, and that's why I enjoy painting dragons so much that I'm missing something, something with there. these uh, turtle shells, I feel like. These turtle shells are beautiful and resemble the water. Surely mm-hmm. do something there. I could do something there, oh, but you- I don't know, just, just straight looking at it. I don't know. I, I want it to look a little bit more dragony, but I get it. It's a it's a big turtle. Well, hold on. How's this for you? How, uh, how about uh, painting it like it's coral? Like it's coral? I could see that. Like it's down in the ocean so much. It should have more coral growing on it than, mm-hmm. than you typically see. You know, honestly, I, I just wanted an underwater dragon. I think that that's really cool. After watching Shang-Chi, I thought it was neat that they, and like the Chinese lore and whatnot, and Asian lore has so many cool aquatic serpents and stuff that fly without wings. They're just like magical flying creatures. There's no reason that we couldn't have had that in D&D. I like big turtles though, too. The idea of you're on an island and the island moves and it don't, totally fuck that's a turtle, right? But we kind of have that with the Zaratan, which is the earth elemental, which is a CR fucking huge um and is super scary and i feel like they could have split these two like a super turtle and a and an aquatic dragon Mm -hmm. but at this point i'm on my third edition of dungeons and dragons personally i came up through 3.5 fourth and now this so dragon turtles made a classic right Mm -hmm. so um i'm perfectly fine with them and i have used them in my own campaigns um to with relative success too anytime that I need a big, bad aquatic monster. I rely on a dragon turtle before I'll go to one of the one of the elementals or or anything else. I really like them for just and they're smart, which surprises everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like them because I think in a way they're the most mysterious of the dragons. You know, we don't, yeah, red dragon volcano, we got it, green dragon forest, we get it. But you know, the, the depths of the ocean are so unexplored. And it's likely that, uh, you know, the adventurers know very little about what's down there. They don't know too much about their lairs or, or all of the creatures and, and the regional effects that will happen beneath the ocean. So I like them because they're very mysterious in a way. And you get a whole lot of role play opportunities out of them because they're neutral. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. They are very mercenary. Like, that's the thing there for number one. But every time that you run into them, that's not true. Most of the time that you run into them in the written modules that Wizards has published, they're usually being taken advantage of by evil people, right? Right. So you can just help them and get a dragon turtle on your side or bribe them and get past them. And both are equally okay as far as tactics go. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to not have an immediate ally or villain just because you're dealing with dragon-y shit. Right. 
Okay, well, let's get into the lore then a little bit of Dragon Turtles. I want to highlight Fizban's quote immediately here because, uh, you know, if Fizban is a representation of, bah of uh, Bahamut, uh, then this is particularly interesting and speaks to the mystery of Dragon Turtles. The quote is, I know I didn't make Dragon Turtles and Tiamat swears she didn't either. So where did they come from? More importantly, why? <laughs> I do really like that quote when I read it. <laughs> Well, hold on. Does that mean that I'm trying to remember what their name was? The remember we talked about um, in the elegy of the first world at the very beginning of the the Fizban's episodes we started doing. We mm -hmm. talked about uh, Sardior, who was right. the first born of dragon kind and labored alongside Bahamut and Tiamat, shaping dragons and shit, and then just disappeared, genderless, strangely um, like mysterious in the lore, and then all of a sudden just disappeared. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe he or she or they um made a made dragon turtles maybe awesome. mm -hmm. maybe the neutrality yeah and yeah. sardior could have disappeared under the ocean which is where neither bahamut or tiamat go all fair points okay so let's look a little deeper into the lore then so dragon turtles are mighty creatures whose inherent magic is linked with the oceans on the material plane the dragon turtle, which is presented in the monster manual, is uh, that of a typical adult, as we've already already been through, which means it would be at least a century old and is expected to be boasting a valuable hoard. An ancient dragon turtle is considered to be a mythic creature akin to a great worm, such as a chromatic great worm, combining the power of multiple echoes from across the worlds and the material plane. Ancient dragon turtles might sleep for years or even decades as they're floating along the surface of the ocean, enjoying the warmth of the sun and letting the vegetation like, take roots and begin to grow on their shells. And it can make them appear like islands. Even if an enemy wears down the dragon turtle's defenses, magical storms will still manifest to shield the dragon turtle against a strike from its foes. So when it comes to creating a dragon turtle, let's look at some of the personality traits and the ideals uh, from the from the suggested tables here. Two personality trait examples could be that I like to show visitors the vastness of my domain so they appreciate how, how insignificant they are. And I swim alongside ships sailing through my domain just out of arrow range so they know that I'm watching. For me, that's very much a show of force. For two ideals, that of endurance. So we who dwell beneath the waves can weather all storms. I love that because it kind of suggests that whatever's going on in the depths of the, of the ocean that we don't know about must be much more threatening than what we, we, something we consider to be threatening on the surface. Second ideal is that of preservation. I am the ocean's steward, tending reefs and the waters to ensure that they remain unspoiled. Okay, let's look at some of the spell casting then. So the first suggested spell from Fizban's for a young dragon turtle with a DC of 13 is Fog Cloud. As an adult, they can add control water. As an ancient, they can add control weather. That's really powerful because when you are going to be up against them, you are on boats or on docks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're never really fighting these guys on land. You may be standing on the shore, but then control water is just like, no, fuck you. You're in the water now. Mm -hmm. And if you were a dragon turtle, wouldn't you just control the weather every single day? Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, you know, I, I think you would always have it, you know, to your to your preference. So for some dragon turtle adventure hooks, then let's look at two. So a curious dragon turtle swam upriver from the sea and is now stuck beneath the bridge on a major trade route, terrifying travelers. 
Or the sea around a wizard's tower is too stormy for ships to sail through, but a resident dragon turtle might be convinced to ferry the characters across. That's really on brand. I like that. That's mm-hmm. So hold on. These are all these are all tables that you're rolling randomly on in fizz bands, right? Uh, That's right. Yeah. So we're going to look at connected creatures in more detail. So let's just do two for the adults, uh, the adult uh, age here. So. Uh, shambling mounds grow like an infestation on an adult dragon turtle shell and spread wherever the dragon turtle travels. I love that because I don't think I would have put that together in my own mind. So that's great for me. Uh, an adult dragon turtle hunts an aquatic purple worm that has been hollowing out the reef where the dragon turtle dwells. Again, I probably wouldn't have thought of that. So <laughs> I'm happy with those two as well. I have a question. Sure. Did they say an aquatic purple worm? Yes. Fuck me. That yeah, is, I would not have thought about that. Yeah, that's that is a snee, uh, sea snake like uh, I had not thought of. That's that's yeah. That my DM boner is going off on that one. <laughs> Your DM boner. <laughs> okay, let's look at some of the layers then. <laughs> Uh, So dragon turtles make their layers in underwater caves and coral reefs. Uh, Most such layers are situated deep, deep beneath the wave's ocean floor uh, through some, though some dragon turtles prefer coastal layers where there's easier access to settlements that they can trade with. It'll kind of depend on the dragon turtles uh, sort of preferences and what they have going on in their own life. There's different parts of the layer to consider. So the shelf floor, which is the sandy beaches or, or, represent the ocean floor at a depth of 100 feet, and this is coated in a soft layer of sediment. The coral reef, the reef hollow behind the coral reef where the dragon turtles tunnels or or caves may be, and then the coral shelf. And within these dragon turtle layers, we're going to start to see additional layer actions. So the three of those would be the blasting current. This is a strong water current that moves through the dragon turtles layer. Each creature within 30 feet of the dragon turtle must make a a DC 15 strength saving throw or be moved 30 feet in a direction of the dragon turtle's choice. Remember, 30 feet is a movement phase for most of those creatures. On a success, the creature is moved 10 feet instead. So you're still moving. Entangling kelp. Uh, strands of, of of spectral kelp sort of reach out and ensnare creatures within a 20-foot radius uh, sphere uh, centered on a point in the layer that the dragon turtle can see. Each creature in that area must succeed on DC 15 strength save throw again, or this time they will be restrained until the end of its next turn. We also have steam eruption. This is a 15-foot cone from a point on the ground that the dragon turtle can see within 120 feet of it. Each creature in that area must be successful on a DC 15 constitution saving throw, taking 66 fire damage on a save, half as much on a success. Uh, Being underwater doesn't grant creatures resistance to this damage, though. It's the idea that you're being scolded by hot steam as opposed to by an open flame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for regional effects, we have diverting currents. So underwater currents push unwanted visitors away from the lair. So while swimming within these currents, each foot of movement costs one extra foot, even if a creature has a swimming speed. There are elemental portals. So hold, crevice- on, hold on, hold on. I, I got to ask. So blasting current, the lair action pulls you in, diverting currents push you out. So mm-hmm. it's hard to get there. And then all of a sudden the waters shift and you can't get out. That's yeah. diabolical especially when it comes to the the breathing underwater and the holding your breath and drowning rules that's that's fun i think this cave network for me would just be a boom box for these uh for these player characters i'd just be pulling and pushing them in all kinds of directions against the stone walls elemental portals so we'll see elemental portals within one mile of the dragon turtles lair 
uh, from two key portals to the elemental plane of water, allowing creatures of elemental water into the world to dwell nearby. We also have hot water, which would mean geothermal vents heat the water within six miles of the dragon turtle's lair uh, to 100 degrees Fahrenheit. But, and what's that to us? Three? Uh, that is going to be, I don't know, warm. 601. Like, like, <laughs> like, it's, like it's hot. I'm, it's pretty I'm, hot. I think they say double Celsius and add 20. So that might be like 40 degrees. That's pretty hot. Let me see. One. Well, I, I do know what like when you're taking your temperature, an average temperature is 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit here. So right. not okay. far from what your body temperature should regularly be. Okay. So, so we're talking just under, I can round up to 38 degrees Celsius. So that's that's an uncomfortably warm day. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do any sort of like big heavy uh, exercise in that kind of heat. Right. Swimming fucking would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about some of the treasures then? So two examples of treasures that you would find in a dragon turtle's lair would be a painted egg decorated with glittering jewels, of course, sure, or an elegant candelabra that the dragon turtle thinks is lost, but that is actually wedged into the crack of their shell. Sure. All right. I like that. They just bumped into it and just thought, like, they thought somebody stole it, so now they're hunting people down, but it's it's just on them. Like when you lose your glasses and they're on your head. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's roll initiative. And then, uh, then we'll ask some questions on the lore. Fifteen. Oh, four. Two. I'll answer my own questions. Uh, Terry, what is your favorite piece of new inspiration about Dragon Turtles? I I love the regional effects. In fact, as we've been recording these episodes on dragons, I'm all over these regional effects, um, especially those that may seem to make the environment more inviting. You know, to player characters, the idea of the hot water. And the kind of geothermal vents or pools that you could have, um, you know, if they're within six miles of a dragon turtle's lair, you kind of put that at like, like a little sort of tropical island area somewhere where the player characters might want to rest, recuperate, enjoy the hot pools, and then things just quickly start to decline from there. I like, the, I like the regional effects to a degree, but the elemental portals is weak. So it says, you know, it can form two-way portals to the elemental plane of water, allowing creatures of elemental water into the world to dwell nearby that would be fucking great if they would give us some goddamn information about the elemental plane of fucking water uh you know what we have for that we have um so who again we that swim through the the area sea elves which we don't get stat blocks for just a player race for marrow and then water elementals i guess and that's like sharks like they don't mm-hmm. we don't sweet fuck all about this in fifth edition and it, it's a huge issue so um we will be doing an episode eventually on the elemental planes and we're gonna have to dig deep into the google machine to figure out how to how to run campaigns there because i i like this in theory it just i find it weak my favorite thing in it is uh for the dragon turtle stuff do you guys notice we didn't get a map also by the way yeah I did notice that. Yeah, that's right. That that sucks. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted a dragon turtle map. Although I feel like I could use the black dragon one. That was underwater. Or parts of it were, right? Yep, but parts of it were, yeah. I can use inspiration from that. But look, the the art objects for dragon turtle can be whatever you fucking come up with. If it was on a boat and a boat sank, it now has A, a boat, and B, what was on the boat. 
So like, I, I feel like yeah. the art objects is all well and good, but it could be just total random shit. Go grab something off of any one of the uh, other dragon um, art objects tables or out of any of the magic item tables, and you'd be just fine here. Mm -hmm. I like what, what they give us, and they talk about um, the prized possessions are treasures from the surface realm and, and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, of course it is. It's not all just pearls and coral. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like the Little Mermaid and her like den of treasures. <laughs> yeah, although I'm sure that the Dragon Turtle has a high enough intelligence to be able to name that ship properly. <laughs> Eparina, what were you I am saying? now playing my dragon turtles like the Little Mermaid. Actually, hold on. <laughs> now that I've said that, I've just noticed that one of the options is a pipe organ that the dragon turtle refers to as bubbles, which works underwater. Oh, yeah, it's the Little Mermaid. <laughs> it's the Little Mermaid. And now it sings. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think they did very well just keeping it very sea themed in the coral and its spells like this is a pirate adventure if you're playing a pirate adventure this is one of your go-to npcs because they can very much be npcs that your players can communicate with and hire um that could turn on them in the end and become a combat did you guys like the spells I'll go first, I guess. Yes, I did, because it's all about manipulating environment and making players feel miserable and uh, just exhausting them before they even get to the battle or even see the dragon turtle. So yes, I love the spells. Fog Cloud is one of my favorites. As a DM, if I have access to Fog Cloud, the players know they're in for shit when suddenly it gets foggy and there's no reason why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you do that on a ship, that's so much scarier, right? Especially because the dragon turtle is going to come from below. So it gets really foggy. Everybody's doing perception checks. And no matter how good their perception check is, they're looking out. They're not looking down. And suddenly the entire ship rocks. And you're like, well, fuck, now what? Yeah. Especially, do you guys think dragon turtles roar? I think, they, uh, I think they're vocal. And because they're vocal and gargantuan, it's going to come across as a roar. I just love the idea of hearing a, a big, scary roar from the fog, not being able to know what direction it came from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the the spells really fit. Um, I might, for like a wormling, give it um, like shape water, something not quite control water, but a little bit, let, just a cantrip, and they can make the water turn colors or turn into shapes, um, right. something like that to give it a little bit more flavor, but it definitely fits. Control weather is ancient, um, can be really fun for it. And all of a sudden there's a storm and you don't know why. And the fog rolls in uh, and the water starts moving and parting. Would you give it summon elemental just to get the water elementals in? Like an ancient, I'm thinking? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, how do you feel about the layer details and the regional effects? For me, I like the idea of the vastness with the depth that was mentioned in the lore there. The idea that the uh, the layer may just be a huge open expanse of water. Perhaps you have to go through a cave or a network of tunnels or whatever to get to it. But this huge, vast, unexplored area where maybe you can't even see from end to end. The kind of like I'm finding Nemo, like the drop off, you know, then it kind of goes up mm -hmm. like that would be the lair. It's just that nobody's ever visited that before. That would make you feel very vulnerable uh, and exposed and give that kind of feeling of hopelessness as well. And, you know, I love those things. I like, I like, like, like I said before, I, I find it annoying about the portal option, but there are other good options here as well, right? 
Um, I just wish that we got more because we didn't get anything about layers for dragon turtles up until this point. So I wanted a map. I want there to be five options instead of two or three, right? Like, um, like other dragons get. I always feel like the dragon turtle gets a short end of the stick on this. They're like, hey, it's dragon enough, right? But they don't get the proper thought given to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, the more layer actions and regional effects that you do with their environment, which of course is water, the more you're going to fuck up your party. So I'd be really cautious about it. What they have is powerful enough. I would just love to see more options. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I like their layers being like in this coral, like beautiful area. And your players just sort of like if you were down swimming in the ocean and you came across this beautiful coral filled area, which always have a bunch of, you know, different fish and it's like its own community um, and ecosystem, really. You're going to be looking at that stuff and not necessarily thinking, oh, there's a huge dragon turtle down here I need to be looking for. So it's going to distract your players before they even realize where they're at, I think. And I think you can really use that um, to your advantage as a DM. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Uh, Adam, why don't we move on? Why don't you take us through the wormlings? Okay, well, the wormling is it's pretty much on par with what we expect from other wormlings. Um, except that we get a table with the, for the D6 for connected creatures. They give us a couple of neat ones here. Um, there's the sea hag has promised treasure to a dragon turtle wormling. If the wormling brings the hag, quote unquote, visitors by capsizing fishing boats. This is what I meant before, but how we often see the dragon turtle end up with uh, kind of uh, getting fooled by other creatures. That's kind of on par for what we've seen. Um, but I also like the one where... Um, a dragon turtle wormling layers in a geyser inhabited by the only other steamy uh, creature that I could find in the monster manual, which is steam methods. And I like that the dragon turtle believes that these creatures are dragon turtle spirits and the methods would lean into that. I love methods because they're just a piece of shit. They're just a pain in the ass to deal with. They're elemental goblins at their most base annoying. So I, I would really lean into the um, the relationship between them. Again, another one um, where we see it getting fooled and abused. Like it, it's not in control of its own destiny a lot of the time in 5th edition. We get a, a dragon turtle wormling, so that's a bit of a mouthful, is blamed for attacks on sea traffic being made by a plesiosaur. Well, the dragon turtle wormling has intelligence and language. So like no just just no so unfortunately the language that it does get is a draconic and that's all which brings me into the stat block um so i'm gonna jump over to that for a minute remember all of the other wormlings that we've seen so far were medium creatures dragon turtle wormling is large which means you can assume that their eggs are the size of freaking carriages right like i I always got to bring it back to the eggs i love dragon eggs and this um, and I've played with the uh, dragon turtle eggs in the past, but I think I undersized them by a damn sight. So I love the idea of a, of a large wormling, and that's going to catch your players off guard, especially underwater. They're typically neutral, it says. Remember, typically is what they add in there now to get away from the idea that um, all members of a single race have a single outlook in life. It's the new PC D&D. 
Um, but I, yeah, I'm comfortable with it. It gives you a little bit of flexibility if your dragon turtle has a history. They might have a different moral or alignment uh, standpoint to come from. So their AC is 18. Of course, it's high even at Wormling. They have a shell. That's their whole shtick. Um, they've got 90 hit points. Again, their uh, speed is 20 feet on land and 30 foot swim speed. So they're as fast swimming as you, most of the party is walking. When it comes to their numerical stats, the two big things that are going to stick out to you are strength, which gets a plus three and con is a plus two. Everything else is zeros across the board, except for intelligence, which is minus one. And I guess that's because they're not going to school. I mean, they're young. We don't really get a whole mm-hmm. lot about um, their lifespan, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, it's a turtle, make it long. So when it comes to saving throws, we get uh, Dex, Con, and Wisdom, I'll get a boost. They have a damage resistance to fire, but no immunities. They have dark vision to 120 feet, which helps underwater. Um, and this also really leans on the idea that they were magically created. Remember, dark vision is not a natural thing that natural beasts get. Cats do not get dark vision because they were not created by magic end of the weave. Their passive perception is 10 because, you know, their wisdom got a plus zero. And like I said before, they speak draconic. You're going to run into these guys at about level four. Um, and their proficiency bonus is a plus two, which helps if you're trying to uh, reverse engineer its actions. Before I jump into the actions, the only trait it has is that it can breathe air and water. It is amphibious, which of course it can. I don't think I need to say anything else about that. Um, For the bite, it's a plus five to hit. They have a 10 foot reach on the bite, which I think is awesome because when you look at turtles and tortoises and videos online and stuff, their head like darts forward and like snaps at you. So the 10 foot reach, even on a large creature is fun. Uh, You also get to do 1d12 plus 3 piercing damage. So these guys clearly have a beak. um, And that's why we're not getting like slashing or piercing um, teeth. We're we're, we're getting getting their their proper bite. Um, I always think I used to have a puffer fish. Those things have like super deadly beaks. This puffer fish was the size of my like pinky nail. It was so small and it destroyed every other bigger fish in the aquarium. Killed my entire aquarium off in about two weeks. Just because it had like this sharp beak on the front of it. That's so, I don't know. I'm glad we get to see that with the dragon turtle. Um, and then, of course, we get the steam breath. Even as a wormling, we get steam breath. Recharges on a five or a six, which means it's going to be using this about a third of the time. You can expect to get maybe two or three of these off in a combat. And also, I would expect that you can swim away, let it recharge, and then come on back for more. Uh, the dragon turtle exhales scalding steam in a 15-foot cone, so it's not very far, but it does suck. Each creature in the area has to make a deck save uh, or take 5d6 fire damage, which is nuts at level 4. Um, you do take half as much damage on a successful save, um, but being underwater does not grant resistance against this damage, much like we saw with the adult. So I like that this is not quite as uh, as beefy. It it scales down nicely but it's still really scary when you think about the environment you're going to run into this thing and also it's a wormling and you know that they lay clutches of eggs right so there'll be more than one yeah absolutely okay well why don't we roll initiative and then we'll talk about inspirations for each of the three pillars of the game so let's roll i rolled a four again 16 did you i got 12 okay let's do combat encounters first pepperina Combat encounters I don't know that you're doing a 
ton of combat with a wormling. Um, I mean, you could if you have a lower part, like lower level party that wants to fight a dragon, and you can't, you can't put like an adult dragon turtle in front of them and expect them to do that. But I would use them more for um, for social encounters and for expl- exploration personally um, than combat. Myself. Yeah, I th- I think for me, I would lean into the clutches of eggs um, element of it and put it so that the combat encounter is kind of unavoidable, but not really deliberate. Like perhaps mm-hmm. the dragon turtle laid a clutch of dragon turtle eggs on the beach or close to a town and they're doing the run down the beach, you know, and kind of just causing havoc or people are getting in the way of it. And so you have to come in and kind of deal uh, with that situation. Yeah, there's going to be a number of them. Um, so it's uh, the action economy you need to think about as well as like the urgency and the environment uh, and where these combat encounters would take place. But I think, I think you could make some good combat encounters uh, by just kind of exaggerating things that we know about turtles and, and their babies anyway. The tactics that I see uh, for combat, just by looking at the stat block, we have a really high AC for the challenge rating. We have a really high swim speed uh, compared to what your players are going to bring to the table. Uh, and you've got a decent amount of hit points and this steam breath. This creature is going to hit and run, and it's not going to swim too far away. It's going to want to be able to be within 90 feet so it can dash one turn and then get in, breath weapon, and get out again, right? Um, There's a lot of opportunity to harass the party with that steam breath because if it recharges every three rounds, that means within 20 seconds, it can do it again. So your guys are going to be blowing their cure wounds um spell slots and they're only level four they don't have a whole lot of those so this could be actually a deadly encounter especially if you're dealing with underwater um but i mean it's large i don't see this as being like knee deep water unless you are defending a town like terry was talking about that scenario for the most part Mm -hmm. i think they're going to want to stay submerged uh, they're going to want to sink your ship. And that's one thing about it that I like is I think that they're going to be doing damage to the bottom, the hull of the ship. They're going to want to sink it. So you are not sitting there protecting your hit points. You're protecting your spell slots and trying to get this thing to fuck off. What are exploration encounters, Pepperina? Exploration encounters, I think I would lean definitely into exploring more of the ocean and where it lives like i don't know i guess this would be the only instance i could see it being on land like you had said it if you catch them hatching um before they go in that would be i think the only reason you would find a dragon turtle on land i don't see them coming out very often so you could play around with that um a little bit and why they're why they're on land is this where they come all the time to lay their eggs um does the town know about it and like prepare for it when it comes um but you could then even use them to find where the parents are you know if you're trying to locate the bigger ones you could use these to follow um out into the ocean and figure out where where they go after they hatch yeah yeah absolutely exploration encounters is tough i think it it would be more um I guess I would kind of try and use them to raise moral questions, you know, like we know that you should like turtles in real life are kind of endangered and we shouldn't really mess with them. So I would use like the dragon turtle wormlings to cause absolute havoc in the area and then see how long that that kind of uh, that, that kind of code of ethics holds up. At what point do we start going, okay, 
dragon tur- uh, turtles don't touch them dragon turtles fucking kill them because they're, they're destroying <laughs> everything so we kind of use the exploration pillar to flesh out how much damage these things are causing in the area when i look at um the exploration i look at their spells they have fog cloud and control weather right which means that they're naturally suited to hiding we get that from the fact that their shells uh blend in with the uh waves and whatnot and they're they like to be way down in the darkness as well so they tend to be a strike and disappear over and over again which means if they're not able to cast fog cloud they're probably looking for misty shores to lay their eggs there's going to be a a wetness and a dampness to the uh, land area that they would be a part of. I can picture these guys in lagoons um, and and small bays as opposed to being on like a sandy peninsula in the middle of the day where there are people sunbathing, right? So um, more of uh, of a damp, dank kind of place for them until they grow up and can control the fog themselves. So if I was going to have adventures hunt down the um, dragon turtle wormlings that are wreaking havoc, start over there in that little section um, off to the side where we there's consistently fog and it's going to be hard to see the steam in the fog as well, right? So that gives you a little bit of an advantage with the um, with the steam breath if you can get in a couple of sneak attacks. Okay, what about the social encounters, Peprina? I would lean into the... Um idea that they're being used by other things especially as a wormling they're not i mean they're strong but they're more easily captured by the big evil and i would think they're looking for help to get out of that more so maybe they approach your party asking for help to get out of the bad situation that they found themselves in so like almost a quest giver i need your help defeating this thing uh like so the, that I could be free from it. Like the pirates keep making me sink ships and I don't want to do that because I feel bad. But the, the, <laughs> They treat me bad, but like, I don't know how to get out of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, I think I would lean into the nature of dragon turtles, but then uh, understand that with wormlings comes a lower level of intelligence. And so I would kind of do these like long-term goals I would kind of put onto the short term. So we know that dragon turtles as adults will be bribed and they have things that they would kind of seek. And I think I would do that in the short term for a wormling for in the same way that I can short term bribe my dog to go where I wanted to go with like treats or something that you will have to lean into that bribing nature of a wormling to get it to do things, you know, in the short term that you want it to do. So I would kind of try and craft a puzzle around that uh, for wormlings. Honestly, when it comes to, to wormlings, I look at the fact that they only speak draconic. Their intelligence is got a negative modifier, but it's not super low. Uh, but their wisdom has got a zero modifier. I don't think turtles are great parents in reality. Um, and dragons are hit and miss. So I'm going to assume that a dragon turtle wormling doesn't have parental units helping them out. So they're sitting there eating people on rowboats. And you go to stop them and they're like, why? And if you don't have someone in the party that can speak Draconic, and I know, look, most people do. That is one of the three languages that people take after Common. You get Common in one other language, great. It's Draconic or Elvish or like Abyssal sometimes, right? Or Infernal for the freaking Warlocks. But um, So Draconic is Common, but if you end up with a party without it, then you can have them try to explain morality through a translator 
and then come back and deal with the director, write down exactly the words that they say, walk away as a DM and say, this is how I'm going to choose to misinterpret it. So this is an issue in four more levels. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Hold on. Hold on one second. Okay. Here we go. What you're listening to is the Brass Beast itself, the funk-slash-jazz-slash-hip-hop group straight out of Ontario called My Son the Hurricane. They're a multi-horn, multi-drummer, multi-singer, 12-piece brass dance crew that have toured across North America and Europe, and they've got two albums and a brand new single called Mississippi 88. They listen to It's a Mimic, and It's a Mimic listens to them. And I thought it was about time we let you know about Craig, one of the incredibly talented trombone players in My Son the Hurricane, and his high-energy, high-talent band that's touring across Western Canada in the first half of August this year. Craig, buddy, I don't know if you know this, but I played the trombone for a couple of years back when I had lungs, and I respect the shit out of what you guys do because I know for a fact that I can't do it. So if you're a fan of dancing, good music, and a massive troupe of fierce and passionate bards, then check them out. Between August 3rd and August 8th, they'll be all over Banff, Medicine Hat, Calgary and Edmonton, and more. And between August 9th and August 14th, they'll be crawling through the BC interior and up Vancouver Island, stopping in the likes of Golden, Kelowna, Victoria, and Tofino, among others. You can check the show notes for links to their website and YouTube page, as well as their touring schedules, including the venues that they're going to be blowing up. And if you're in the Lower Mainland and have a bit of patience, then you can join me and a couple of other DMs on this show as we catch them at the Commodore downtown Vancouver on October 1st. Again, check the show notes for more details and set aside a date to catch My Son the Hurricane live and or support them with social media likes, views, follows, and downloads. Let's get back to the show. Okay, Pepperina, why don't you take us through the young dragon turtle? Okay, so the one creature connection uh, for the young dragon turtle that really stuck out to me, and I'm sure you guys can figure out why, a clan of gnomes pay a young dragon turtle to serve as a mobile refueling platform for their fleet of steamboats. I just fucking hate that. (laughs) I love it so much. It tracks. (laughs) I like it. Because, like, it's a win-win for everybody. The The dragon turtle just has to breathe, and it gets treasure. And the gnomes have a unending source of fuel for their boats. And gnomes are going to have crazy steamboats and stuff because they're going to tinker. and Because fucking gnomes. Make ridiculous boats. I don't like seeing gnomes prosper. <laughs> so I got to bring them up when Dan's not here. Okay, getting into their stats, um, they are a huge dragon now. They are, again, typically neutral, and their CR goes up to a 10. Their languages, they get Aquan now and Draconic. Their AC goes up 1 to a 19 from Wormling, and their hit points about double with a 178. 
their walking speed stays the same, um, but their swim speed does go up to 40, which makes it much easier for them to catch up with you in the water or get away. Um, their strength and con get a significant bump, adding four points to each. Deck stays the same and everything else goes up by two. They have saving throws in Dex, Con, and Wisdom. They still have a resistance to just fire, and they're, of course, still amphibious. Um, at this point, they get a multi-attack with one bite and two claw attacks. Their bite attack is a plus nine to hit, a 10-foot reach. It does 1d12 plus five piercing damage, plus 1d12 lightning damage. This is the first time that we're seeing the addition of lightning damage to their bite attack. It was not on the um, regular adult one that we got in the monster manual, which I thought was an interesting addition. Um, the claw attack is plus nine to hit, a five foot reach, 1d8 plus five slashing damage. And then they have their steam breath still, um, which goes up to a 30 foot cone. And each creature in the area must make a DC 16 deck save with 12 D6 fire damage or half on a save. And of course, does not um, count, give any resistances being underwater. Beautiful. Okay. Why don't we roll initiative again? And let's go through those three pillars for the young dragon turtle. 16. I got a 15 damage. I got a seven. Seven. I'll go first myself. Okay. Inspiration for combat encounters. I think now that the young dragon turtle is getting uh, larger, intelligence has increased a little bit. They are starting to realize dominance in the seas, I imagine, or certainly that they can feel some level of supremacy. They're still young, so I would imagine that they may still have some siblings around. There may be, still be two or three of them operating together, and so they're much more of a threat. But in asserting that dominance, I think that they would be perhaps still quite clumsy maybe they haven't made the deals with the nearby settlements yet or they haven't properly established properly established themselves and so uh the way that i would kind of treat them in combat would still be quite clumsy they they would probably realize that they will be fighting people on ships but couldn't necessarily take that ship down at this point so i would have different tactics i would probably try and grapple people that are on the boats or, or kind of floating around in the water grapple them and then take them down uh, to try and split the party. And uh, and then, you know, so they have a few rounds to even get back to the surface after the combat is completed. Uh, even if they kill the dragon turtle, they may still die. So I'd probably use a technique such as that. It's interesting because I think you're right. Um, as far I said before, the wormlings are probably trying to attack ships, but I see them just like snipping at rudders, right? And pulling oars away from, from rowers and whatnot. So when it comes to them being young, I think they're able to do some damage if given time, mm -hmm. but their steam breath is now doubled, which means yeah. they can hit the people on the deck. And that's a big deal. They're not waiting for you to come down into the water. If they're in it for the combat, they can, they have claws that can do it now. And they're going to be um, trying to get as many people as possible with that steam breath over and over and over again, while they systematically work at taking out the hull. So my order of, of combat is going to be um, the hull gets attacked round one, I steam breath round two, and then I attack the hull from underwater over and over and over again until that steam breath recharges. And then I hit it where I can get the most um, targets in that 30-foot cone. 
this becomes extra deadly when you think about what Terry said, two or three at a time. There's always mm-hmm. at least one steam breath ready to go. Yeah, I think at, at a young dragon turtle age, I would be using them as sort of starting to, to make their connections and pairing with other things um, in the ocean. They're not yet the biggest, so they still need to make these partnerships. Um, so I would have them being sort of bodyguards at some point, like they're hired hands um, for the bigger, badder thing. So you're going to come across them if you're looking for a treasure or a buried thing or a sunken ship that has, you know, whatever that your party needs. They're going to be the one protecting it for the wizard that doesn't want you to have it or, you know, for whatever evil thing is hiring them for. So I think that's when I would have my party come across them in a combat situation is like, because they're on a job. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of them now as minions and a a wormling is not great for that, but a young dragon turtle could be a minion. But can you think about like, all right, so I'm thinking about ogres and the fact that they've got all of these siege weapons attached to them. Now I want you to imagine a Sahuigan just skirmisher of some sort on the back of one of these young dragon turtles with a cannon strapped to it. That right. is one of the creature connections is that they can be a mount for Sahuagans. So that's a lot of fun when you think about siege weapons on these um, young dragon turtles, especially firing and like you're fighting submarines now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to exploration encounters. I just got inspired by something Adam said where he was talking about the young dragon turtle snipping at the rudders, pulling oars away from uh, from from the player characters. And you know, it made me think of you could start off with some sort of combat encounter, right? Like a like a raid, like some Sahugan raiders or some pirates or something using dragon turtles, and maybe even that enemy kind of flees or you win that combat, but then it's what happens after that. Now that the ship is damaged, now that you do not have those oars anymore, now that the weather is changing and the storm is coming in. So then that becomes an exploration encounter after that. There's no rest after this combat. You still need to do the skill test um, to deal with this storm and this sinking ship, you know, as the as the huge waves are coming overboard. And you can kind of come up with all kind of creative ways on how this becomes a puzzle and an exploration encounter in itself uh, based off the delayed uh, effective damage from these dragon turtles. So I'm thinking about what you said with um, the idea of having to do skill challenges and whatnot afterwards and making checks and dealing with the environment um, after the combat. And now I'm thinking about having to deal with it before and during the, the combat as well. So I'm thinking about Finding Nemo and the, those turtles were just like amazing. But think about the young dragon turtles. They're young. They're going to be impulsive. These are juvenile, right? So imagine the big choppy waves and them like not surfing the waves necessarily, but playing in what would be super deadly for ships and whatnot. Um, And as your players are rolling to keep their characters on the deck or constitution from not getting seasickness and shit, there are dragon turtle, uh, young dragon turtles flipping around in the water and blowing steam up into the air. And like, it could almost be like a, a... pod of dolphins right but it's young dragon turtles all around and if nobody speaks aquan or draconic they're just there putting on a display for the weird land creatures yeah i like i like the idea of them like just immobilizing your boat um and you being stranded there and then leaving and then you're you're just stuck in the ocean really um and it's figuring out like how 
to get to a safe place, how to get it. Maybe there's a deserted island or even they push you towards that and are just like, there you go. Bye. Yeah. And yeah. And you're just like your party trying to figure out, can we fix this boat? Do we have anything here? Is there a place we can find for safety? What do you, what do you do when you're stuck in the middle of the ocean? It is a good technique for DMs to use to regain control of a campaign. When players begin to play and they go off the rails and somehow they got themselves a pirate ship and now I can't I can't stop them. They're they're, uh-huh. they're getting too overly overpowered. These dragon turtles to immobilize that ship, it's not that you're railroading them necessarily. It's just you're reducing the amount of predicted outcomes from here. Okay, they're stuck in the ocean. I imagine that either they're going to try and go down, they're going to try and communicate with somebody, or you know, you've now limited their options uh, without taking away their agency. So it is a good method for DMs to regain control, I think. And I don't think that they would be crazy far out into the ocean where they would just be screwed and die, you know, outright, like they have no options. I feel like a young dragon turtle would still be somewhat closer to a shore or an island or something like that. It hasn't quite made it out to the absolute middle of nowhere where it takes you a month to get anywhere. So you, your players still have that sort of chance to make it somewhere. You know, you could lean into that as well as a final thought here. It's to be like, before you set off on this journey, this perilous journey across these stormy, these famously stormy waters, you know, an NPC will say to you, you know, you're when you're getting close to the shore because the dragon turtle will be there. And you're like, well, mm-hmm. okay, well, great. So I know when I'm getting to the end of the perilous journey because I'm temporarily even more screwed than a yeah. minute ago. Okay, <laughs> sure. Okay, myself for social encounters, I think at this point, the young dragon turtles are have decided a little bit more what they want. They're thinking a little bit further ahead, but they may not have created or cemented those loyalties yet, or their loyalties may still be able to be easily swayed. Uh, and so I think this is kind of, it's kind of introductory social encounters at this point where you can get a real quick handle on how dragon turtles think, what they want. You learn um, not to, to screw them over if you've made a deal because it'll come back and hurt you. Uh, and so I think it'll make for more of like training encounters for me uh, for, for dealing with a larger dragon turtle later on. I'm going to hold my action, let pets talk first. I got I got an idea. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, as a as a young dragon turtle, there's sort of like that teenage wishy-washy um, back and forth, like they're gonna, you know, do what sounds good to them, which leans into their their neutral nature. So I think you have a good chance to socialize with a young dragon turtle, I think more than any of them. I think this is the chance when you get to get them on your side and give them something that makes them happy and then your best friends you know this is where they're looking for people to team up with and more into that um well what can you do for me sort of thing so if your party can do something for them this is the stage to get that all right sorry i'm having a blast with this because you guys were talking i i had an idea about a social encounter that's less about dragon or that's less with uh dragon turtles more about them 1100 elves went into the water vessel went down in 12 minutes didn't see that first dragon turtle for about a half hour young you know how you know that in the water chief you can tell by looking at the size of the shell what we didn't know was that our mission was so secret 
No distress signal had been sent. They didn't even list us as overdue for a week. Very first light, Chief, dragon turtles come cruising by. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. It was sort of like you see in the calendars. You know, the infantry squares and the old calendars, like at the Battle of Waterdeep. And the idea was a dragon turtle come to the nearest man. That man, he starts pounding and hollering. And sometimes that dragon turtle, he go away. But sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that dragon turtle looks right at you, right into your eyes. And the thing about a dragon turtle is he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. I fucking love Jaws and I'm just like leaning into the monologue and it's so awesome. And like it goes, I'm not even halfway through it. I'm not going to keep going. But that is so great to be talking to a sea elf with like one arm in the tavern in like um, a salt marsh talking about the dragon turtles that came and like took down his warship. Ah, I fucking love it. That, anyway, there's my social encounter. And, and, and young dragon turtles would, would swarm like that too, I think. I love it. It reminds me of it reminds me of actually two Wayne's World characters. The one is the first one is one Ed O'Neill plays, the guy who owns the diner. Yeah. He kind of tells a story that sounds like that. And the second one is uh Del Preston. Is it Del Preston his name is? Where he tells a story about like Ozzy Osbourne and Jeff Beck and having to beat a man to death with his own shoes and stuff. And it just like just gets worse and worse. This story, <laughs> like you don't even know at what point it's not unbelievable, but he seems to be so uh so taken by it. I think if you can come up with a scripted story like that to tell players to kind of telegraph the idea of dragon turtles. It would uh, it would be incredible. Also, I just desperately want to do my best Robert Shaw impression now in the middle of a can. Anyway, <laughs> um, if you have used monologues and shit like this, let us know. You can reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, and r slash It's a Mimic on Reddit, or you can flip us an email at info at It's a Mimic dot com. We're always interested in getting more mailbag questions. We've pulled Pepperina off mailbag questions, which means you guys can't see it through the Zoom call, but she just like scowled at me. Um, <laughs> But what that means is that you can uh, you have more room to ask your questions and they'll be answered more frequently because we're not inundated by Pep's questions. You can also, if you want to help the podcast, but you don't have a whole lot of financial shit to buy stuff from our store or go hit the donate button on the website, you can just give us positive reviews uh, or share a uh, word of the podcast on social media or by word of mouth, make TikTok videos. I don't know a thing about TikTok. That, that, that's the video one, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's the one. So yeah, do that. Tell everyone on your OnlyFans account all about it's a minute, <laughs> and uh, and we will come and and watch and support you back. Uh, we'll make we'll make Dan do that. Anyway, dragon turtles. <laughs> okay, let's touch on ancient dragon turtles. Then I want to touch on a couple of examples of ancient dragon turtle creature connections first. Uh, the first one being an ancient dragon turtle serves as a council to an Empyrean court, tempering the Celestial's passions with the dragon turtle's endless patience. Sure. Or an ancient dragon turtle is responsible for ensuring that a kraken is never woken from its slumber. And I love that because what appears to be the biggest threat is actually preventing the larger threat from being uh, from being awakened. And of course, players, I would never figure this out. We would never figure this out. We're incredibly arrogant. We're like, I'm going to put this thing to bed for sure. They come up with all these ways to kill this dragon turtle. And in the end, that's what was stopping you from dying in the first place. Okay, let's take a look at the stat blocks then for the ancient... There we go. So an ancient dragon turtle is still gargantuan in size. It has a much higher armor class now at 22. Average hit points we're going to see a 409 and their swim speed is up to 60 feet now. Even their walking speed is 30 feet. So even on land, they may well still catch you. 
Dexterity is still their lowest stat at 12. From there, it starts to scale up to, we see strength and con as the two highest at 28 and 29, respectively. At this point, they get the, the, uh, the trait of Blessing of the Sea. This recharges after a short or a long rest. So if the Dragon Turtle would be reduced to zero hit points, its current hit points, instead the total resets to 350 hit points, it recharges its Steam Breath. Additionally, the Dragon Turtle can now use the options of the Mythic Actions I'll touch on in a, section, in a second. It has three legendary resistances per day. So that means if the Dragon Turtle fills a saving throw, it can choose to succeed instead. And it has an unusual nature in that the dragon turtle does not require food or drink. Still has his claw attack, still has his tail attack. Steam Breath is now a 90-foot cone with a DC 24 constitution saving throw. Average damage of 67 for that. That's 15 D8 for fire damage on a failed save. We have legendary actions for an ancient dragon turtle. It can attack as a legendary action. It's a, it makes one claw or tail attack. It can move up to its regular movement speed. It has a boiling aura. We have an aura here, Adam. The dragon turtle radiates intense heat until the start of the dragon's next turn. Whenever a creature starts its turn within 20 feet of the dragon turtle, that creature must succeed on DC 24 constitution saving throw or take 40 fire damage. Being underwater does not grant resistance against this damage. As a mythic action, if the dragon turtle's blessing of the sea trait has activated in the last hour, it can use the options below as legendary actions. One is a bite attack and one is the armor of storms. This costs two actions. Lightning temporarily surrounds the dragon turtle and it gains 40 temporary hit points until the start of its next turn. Until all these temporary hit points are gone, any creature that touches the dragon turtle or hits it with a melee attack takes 26 lightning damage. Cool. I know. So let's compare this to the regular adult stats, which I do have on this side. Uh, so, so a lot has changed, really. As we go up, uh, we start to see legendary actions. We have that, that awakening phase. Uh, we have mythic actions added to it. Uh, the stats have bumped up a little bit, but, you know, arguably there is there is a big difference here. Um, so why don't we we roll initiative and then let's touch on those three pillars again. I just wanted to ask, do they have the same condition immunities and damage immunities? Oh, let me check. No, they change. Um, yeah, that's right. This is the first time we see immunities and not resistances. Okay. And they have cold now instead and not just fire, um, right. which I think they should get cold at a younger age. Like tritons get cold resistance because they live in the depths of the ocean. Right. Why don't look, these? Look, Wizards of the Coast does not understand underwater at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, I've ranted about this on like 10 other episodes. So fuck, you're right. Um, do what makes sense. If you're going deep underwater, do what makes sense. Um, and check out our Aquatic Adventures episode where I lose my shit at this for an hour and a half. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, let's roll initiative, then we'll hit the three pillars. Oh, I got an 18. 16. 7. Okay, just sorry, one more quick question. Did the the regular adult one get charmed, frightened, and poisoned? Uh, no, they did not. Okay, cool. So As the condition immunities. Yeah, that's new too. All right, so clearly this is actually a great worm level right mm -hmm. um when you are looking at the size of this fucking thing in the art this thing is bigger than islands right it is taking out not a ship but fleets of ships at a time so um i think that you are not 
you don't get into combat um, with this thing. You get to combat on this thing, right? Like it's just going to rise up above you and suddenly there are five beached warships on its shell. And it's just going to start going lightning, 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 right? If it's already uh, triggered the blessing of the sea. Um, I just, I fucking love this so much. Um, 90 foot cone. We're getting this, these big epic breath weapons, but I mean, we know that for regular dragons are hitting from above. It's so much cooler to hit from below, I think. Um, my tactic, my unique combat tactic for this would be that is powerful enough to lift an average ship off the, the surface of the water yeah that's that's where i'm get, like you get hit with that it's the dragon turtle is 10 feet below the ship and just blasts it up 80 feet into the air and then drops it right and that ship will now sink bodies in the water people screaming shit's going crazy right and now it's on to the next one and again recharges on a five or six this is this is big and an ancient dragon turtle smart enough to know I can wait. These shit. I can outrun these ships. I can wait. Yeah, you got me thinking there when you said you go to battle on this thing. And I would lean into the true neutrality of an ancient dragon turtle here in that this could be something that you could use to help you fight another dragon. Let's say like a bronze dragon, like a coastal dweller, like a bronze dragon. But you you may be essentially riding this dragon turtle island island because you can use things like the armor of storms and the steam breath and stuff to your advantage where the dragon turtle may attack the other dragon but you are also a threat it is truly neutral so when you're in this environment of, of riding this massive dragon turtle you have that additional puzzle of overcoming the armor of storms and whatever ships and buildings are stuck on this thing and it's essentially that you're trying to use this dragon turtle as an environment to combat uh, another dragon so i just think it makes for a huge epic battle with lots to think about and uh, I, I think that would be awesome combat encounter i mean if you're fighting one of these if you come across one of these you're pretty high level so i like the the fleet of ships like it's not just your newer party on one pirate ship like they have gathered an army and maybe they're going off to a an actual war and they come across this thing on the way and it just starts taking out ships all around you that like you kind of need those ships to for the purpose you're actually on but it starts taking them out and I do, I like Adam said, um, it comes up and it lifts your ship, but instead of throwing it off, like your ship could just get stuck between some of the spikes of its shell. And then your party is just stuck on the back of this. And do you, do you jump out of the ship? Do you stay on it? It's like damned if you do, damned if you don't, if it goes under and it takes you with it, what are you, are you better off? staying on it or jumping off and then it makes the boiling aura and then the water around you is boiling all of a sudden and you need to figure that out it's just there's so many things working a lot against to think about yeah yeah working yeah, against not, your party yeah not for newer dms because there's a lot to think about but certainly uh, fun to play what about exploration encounters adam um, one of the things we haven't discussed really yet is, and the thing that I've done in the past for players is um, dragon turtle shell armor and shields. I think that you could, uh, exploration should be, look, we could talk about harvesting dragon parts and we have, and like eating the heart of a dragon is something, drinking its blood gives you different bonuses. Like the breath weapon organ should be able to um, give you certain blessings with, if you were to use it in a certain way, spellcasting focus, foci, or however you want to do it. 
But with a dragon turtle, you get the shell. And that's a unique thing. So when you're harvesting medicine checks or nature checks or survival checks, however you want to do it, um, getting the ability to have uh, damage immunities to cold or fire, an ancient dragon turtle shell has got to be worth so much. So when you kill it and it sinks to the bottom of the ocean, go loot that and take your Vorpal sword because you got to really start hacking away at this and you'll be rich. You'll certainly be able to handle whatever a Baylor throws at you because you are now immune to fire. This could be the thing that you do as a way to gear up before the big bad at the end of your entire campaign. Yeah, I feel like I want to live on this thing or at least have it as like a base of operations. I like the idea of when they're asleep for years at a time or decades at a time. And for whatever reason, the players, either they want to kind of live on this thing and maybe take advantage of some of the vegetation that's grown on there or the shipwrecks or, or whatever. But, um, you know, while one or two louder conversations is not going to be enough to awake the dragon turtle, everybody talking and everybody moving around as they normally would might well be. So this idea of you also need to stay quiet. So even in combat, if you know when when you're thinking about all the chaos and stuff that comes with combat that that may be part of the puzzle and that may be enough to awaken the dragon turtle and so yeah an exploration pillar in that you can live on it but you cannot wake it up and the challenges that go along with that i love that you think the paladin has to take his freaking armor off just so that he can pass his stealth checks just so that the fucking island doesn't roll over yeah i also like the idea of them like sleeping for so long that like does stuff grow on their shells like if they're sleeping for so long does coral start growing on that do they become their own coral reef ecosystem i think that, they would. yeah yeah that and then it's just it's becomes a mobile ecosystem that goes throughout the ocean and wherever it goes and does that have any weird effects on the rest of the area where it shows up at Mm -hmm. um, is it introducing new things that weren't there before? So I would lead into that. Like what, what happens when it sleeps for so long? What, what grows on it? What changes about it? Can it be used, um, in the ocean for anything else or does it mess up? I was like the idea that it's just floating around for centuries right? Mm -hmm. and then it wakes up and it doesn't know where it is. Like your first encounter with an ancient dragon turtle is it comes up to the nearest civilization or ship and says, where am I? I just woke up. Yeah. What year is it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so what are social encounters then? Good segue. So um, I've got many thoughts. Um, I'm just going to list um, three monsters out of the monster manual. And you guys can fill in the blanks here uh, without even saying anything. Anybody listening knows immediately where I'm going with this. The first one is Kuatoa. I That just, it's either on the back of this thing or worshiping it because it will come back at some point. Right. Kuatoa. And that can be funny as fuck. Uh, two, Shadow Dragon Turtle. Ooh. And three, Dracolich for a dragon turtle. And now all of your aquatic shit is also undead shit. So those are the first things that came to my mind. But my favorite piece of like weird lore is it's turtles all the way down. Um, reality, the world exists on the back of a cosmic turtle. And if you peer over the edge of its shell, it is perched on top of a slightly larger cosmic turtle. And, uh, and it's just turtles all the way down. So reality is a stack of turtles. Um, that is not an original atom by any means, but I think it's neat that dragon turtles, they're more powerful than the average dragon. 
simply based on their naming convention because they're getting mythic actions and shit like an uh, uh, great worm does, but they're still only ancient level, which means there's a great worm level of dragon. What happens next, right? Their, their wormling is already akin to a young dragon, right? So they are inherently more powerful from the beginning, which means the long view when you were talking to a dragon turtle, if you speak Aquan or Draconic, they are they are thinking much bigger than any other creature in the world, except for maybe a lich or a god, right? They're going to be able to see the big picture. It's not like I've watched this city rise and fall. Entire civilizations. I remember a time before dwarves. And I there's kind of loosely in the background of the lore, um, it says, in the Forgotten Realms anyway, um, back, way back before humans, existed the lizard folk and the yuan-ti ruled and both of those civilizations fell and the yuan-ti of course are desperate to rebuild their gods and go listen to the yuan-ti episodes um but the dragon turtles might still be alive and remember that shit right they may have been there they may be a result of twisted magic from the yuan-ti like you can go really big picture and do these things have dragon sight can they perceive the multiverse doesn't say anywhere no, yeah. Hmm. No, it says they have true sight, but does not say dragon sight. But it doesn't list it in any their senses. Yeah. Right. It's just listed as part of the lore for all dragons can do this. I assume that includes dragon turtles, which means maybe it is turtles all the way down. Maybe they are just like, God, talk to an ancient dragon turtle about about how to skip over to Eberron, right? Like they will know a way to get to the next reality. I just think it just blows it wide open, especially because they're neutral, um, because good and evil is a construct. I existed before that, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's crazy to me, that they legitimately do not care about anything that you have to offer. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's this neutrality part is the bit that I would really like to play into, uh, because as this dragon turtle ages you can still take advantage of that and essentially make them an ally to you as you can convince anything that's neutral to side with you in this instance, but the prerequisites for that or the like the price to pay for that is going to scale. Like how can you continue to be useful to me on this ancient dragon turtle scale? How can you continue to give me what I want so that I align with what you need right now? Because it can be, campaign changing if you can't continue to keep up with those demands and this dragon turtle essentially switches to the opposite side it'll it will change everything with an with something that is the opposite to your alignment you know your evil big bad right you know what to expect from them they're most likely always going to be your enemy that's the whole point of while while we're playing this game so there there's stress there but for a different reason you know where you stand with that person. With a neutral NPC or neutral creature, it can change in a second. And I think it could be very, very stressful to keep this dragon turtle happy, knowing that the requirements are harder and harder to meet and it will change everything if you fail to do that. Especially because, great, you killed the red dragon. Now kill the gold one. Exactly. I I would use him as like the wise old turtle like persona you know like they're gonna talk slowly they're gonna talk in riddles and you're never gonna really know what it 
wants from you, but you have to do your best to guess at it and figure it out. It becomes its own puzzle for your party, just trying to figure out what it wants from you so it doesn't kill you. Um, because again, you can, you can get on its side. It's going to be a lot harder at an ancient, um, stage because there's not going to be a ton your party can offer it that it doesn't already have and can't get for itself. So it's figuring that out is the biggest puzzle. What can we possibly give this thing or do for this thing that isn't going to get us killed and will please it enough to let us pass through. I'm thinking about the idea with these guys of um, Treebeard from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of really good quotes, um, like side, I am on nobody's side because nobody is on my side. And it, not only is he neutral for the majority of it, but he has that, like, he's always talking about you're, you're too hasty. I like your idea, Pepperina, of being like, like slowing it down. But I mean, what uh, he says, I think in Return of the King, never is too long a word, even for me. And just seeing that that kind of like old timey wisdom is is fun. Like I, he he forgets words. I, he forgets the word hill at one point in the books, right? So because he just hasn't used it in so long. Um, I don't know. I just I I think that's. I'm trying to remember what the exact quote is um, about. Uh, we don't say anything. Uh, there's nothing worth saying unless it takes a long time to say, right? And I I butchered that, but there is definitely a uh a, a quote about that so mm-hmm. yeah you're right any final thoughts dragon turtles are underused they're underutilized mm-hmm. um and they should be we, we've spoken in the past about red versus gold uh dragons or blue versus silver and and we always have that kind of equating one to the next i feel like we have a force of of nature that is not literally an elemental um but that can be an ally against the Kraken. We have potentially a very stressful, high level, end of campaign, good guy against the Leviathan and the Kraken and some of this other crazy aquatic shit out there, right? So we're just not using them enough in our campaigns. Well, when yeah. we're level. I, I think you should lean more into the social with these guys. Um, I mean, yeah, you can fight them, but... Like Megan always says, talk to your kobolds, talk to your dragon turtles, because <laughs> there's something you can do for it, for sure. There's something you can figure out that you can do for this guy um, that does not have to be combat. Agreed. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode on Fizban's updates to dragon turtles, but we're not even close to being done with dragons. So subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. The next time we circle back to dragons, we'll be digging into one of the newest kinds of dragons in 5th edition. Thanks for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community. Please pass the word to everyone you know that... We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. It is 
become very clear to me that this uh, cast of people have very strong opinions about food items. Clearly, yes. So my question is, this is this is how I gauge if we I can be friends with somebody. What do you dip your chicken nuggets in? What do I dip my chicken nuggets in? Yes, what do you dip? There is one wrong answer. And if you say that, we can no longer be friends. No, there's one correct answer. This no. is Canada. It's maple syrup is what we dip our chicken nuggets in. Uh, the tears of my foes. Yeah, or the I tears can. of our foes. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Mine's what? not far off from maple syrup, I guess. It's honey. I dip my chicken nuggets in honey. That's close enough to like honey mustard. You get a pass. Ah, that. Ah, that is the one wrong answer is honey mustard. Why is that wrong? I have very strong feelings against honey mustard because when you like to dip your chicken nuggets in honey, you go and you ask for that at a drive through and they, you know, half the time give you honey mustard and it pisses me off because honey mustard is disgusting. It's not the same thing. I didn't say mustard at all. I said honey. It's completely different don't Probably give me that shit them because you're asking for a ridiculous thing <laughs> then why do they have honey like, like cups going, if you don't dip your nuggets in it that's like going uh yeah can i get some oil to dip these in and then they bring you like <laughs> vegetable oil and you're like no i meant motor oil the oh, person in the drive-thru would be like well either one's ridiculous so you know but I was they about have to honey cups for that purpose for dipping yeah but do they or is it they for do. adding to your tea no why would it be in a cup and not a squeeze pouch. Because uh, it's too thick for a squeeze pouch? I'm no. guessing on this. I don't know. Look, I have my own rage against pumpkin spice <laughs> nonsense. You've got your rage against the freaking honey mustard cups. Yeah. And Terry has his rage for anyone that says Worcestershire. Yeah. Or ever-changing nut milks bothers mm. the shit out of me. It bothers the shit out of me. Your milk I just run. don't use that sauce I'm not going to say the name of so that I don't have to say the name of it ever. I just don't. I just exclude it from my diet. So I don't have to use it. Break it down to two parts. Make this sound. Worcester. Sure. Worcester. Worcester. Sure. Worcester. Sure. Worcester. Sure. That's it. Sure. Sure. Exactly. Okay. Shire. Did you have a question at the end of this episode too, Peps? I do. It is also food related. (laughs) Are you hungry today? Is that what this is? I'm hungry. I've had half a bagel and it's five o'clock. So I'm hungry. (laughs) Um, I'm basically running on uh, coffee and Adderall at this point in my day. Hey, you know what? That's the breakfast (laughs) of champions right there. So my question, you guys in Canada have some chips that we cannot get here, or it's very hard to find in America. Um, So do you prefer ketchup chips or all dressed chips? If you had to pick one. Hands down, all dressed chips. It's the only thing that I truly 100% support being dressed. (laughs) All the way, not just half dressed. No. Uh, I would say all dressed chips as well. I would never voluntarily buy ketchup chips. Ketchup chips in Canada tend to be for 12-year-olds' birthday parties. Mm-hmm. And like the end of the year baseball game, and you know, we're, we're going to have a barbecue at Coach's house, right? And so there's just a big bowl of plain chips, a big bowl of barbecue, and a big bowl of ketchup, right? And that's, that's sitting over there on the side table. Yeah. Um, most people, they're vinegary right like a lot of them are and it's i don't know not for me i like the i like the all dressed i remember when ketchup chips came to the uk it was a long time ago now but it was like a new thing and like when i came to canada everyone was like no we've had ketchup chips forever but it there was like they had 
been passed on to the UK a few years ago. And our flavors are like typically cheese and onion, prawn cocktail. We have like Branston pickle flavor. There's like lamb and mint. There's like weird shit like that, right? Which I now consider yeah. weird. It used to be normal. And then when ketchup came along, it was like it was like instantly rejected. Like people were just like, well, that's a condiment. Where's the flavor? Where's the beef or the cheese or there's something? So they, they, I'm not sure how they're doing now. I'm out of the loop in the UK, but uh, they were rejected for a little while. It's weird. I've only had ketchup chips once before. Um, we had a friend from Canada come down and, and smuggle them across the border for us. Smuggle them across. <laughs> every time I go down to see Mieka, I always take a family-sized bag of ketchup chips and a family-sized bag of all dressed. And I give them to uh, her brothers and her brothers are like, they will take it and squirrel it. Like they will just leave the room because they do not want to share them with anybody else. And then sit there and you can hear them arguing about pe- pass this. No, 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 no. You, I'll give you one of these for two of those. And like, they, they make a big freaking deal about it. It's hilarious. So I, I don't know. The stuff that I'm just most excited about these days is as far as chips going is we're getting weird, like Asian inspired ones. You've been in a 7-Eleven recently, Terry. It's We've got... Um, tomato and chicken flavored and yeah. i'm like what the shit is that and then i ate it and i'm like it is i'm not sure it i is. love it but it is <laughs> right? like and they, they've got some just lays has mad scientists working for them yeah yeah pringles like, has some interesting ones too there's like rotisserie chicken pringles I'm like, yeah. why, why do you why does anybody need that um because baked chicken was no good like, how, I don't know. why is yeah. it rotisserie? it's specifically rotisserie yeah. chicken yeah, I'm just disappointed that we don't have enough different flavors of popcorn up here. Mm. We did for a while get all dressed chips um, pretty regularly in the store. And there was like like a leaf out of it. It's like Canada's favorite chip <laughs> is what it said on it. Um, and I did not let anybody else in my house have any of them. I, I also squirreled them away and didn't tell anybody <laughs> for a while that I got. And finally, I let my husband try them um, <laughs> after like eight bags. Uh, they're so good. I was also really proud of myself for changing the Battle of Waterloo to the Battle of Waterdeep. And I don't know if anybody got that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Excellent. You guys all missed that. We said the newest kind of dragon and pepper in his eyebrows like shot with. (laughs) What's next? More dragons. Thanks for listening. Bye.